part of the Another Realm Media Network. Welcome to this episode of Mysterial Experiences, where we delve into the heart of mystery and the ethereal. Today we invite you on a voyage through shadowed realms of the unexplained. From spectral whispers to cosmic enigmas, join us as we explore tales and phenomena that challenge our understanding of reality and a quest to uncover truths hidden in the fabric of the extraordinary. Prepare for a journey into the unknown, where each revelation is a step closer to unraveling the mysterious. Welcome back, everybody. We are sitting here today with the fantastic Sev Talk, uh, and I really appreciate um, her willingness to come on the show today and just talk with us about her experiences and what they've meant to her. So thank you, Sev, and welcome. Hi, Josh. Hi, everybody. I'm so happy to be here. Thank <laughs> you. Um, so I gave a little bit of an introduction uh, before we got into the interview portion. And so, I mean, I I am a huge fan, although we were just discussing, I'd never actually met you in person. We were in the same room in Denver for the MUFON Symposium in 2022. Um, but uh, I never actually met you in person. And I honestly get a little bit of a, uh, of a fan um frightening like i don't want to just walk up and talk to people because i feel like you know but i'm bothering them and stuff but but i really appreciate everything that you said and did in that mufon symposium and everything that you've talked about in your many appearances on tv and such and so you know one of the things that i started this podcast trying to accomplish is to let people know that we all have these really just odd experiences with you know what the mainstream might consider strange and that the only way we can lift the taboo is to talk about them openly and so um i know that you are no <laughs> you don't shy away from talking about your own experiences and so if you would just take maybe a couple minutes and just kind of you know i, I know your experiences go back a long way in your life but you know, maybe if you want to give a, an elevator speech, so to speak, of how you kind of found yourself. Mm -hmm. Okay, thank you. Mm -hmm. That's a good way to put it, how I found myself, because that is what it feels like. I have only came out five years ago. And so I've been having contact since I was a little girl, since fifth grade. Mm. And uh, I been hiding it all those years until five years ago mm. and I've had contact with a variety of different beings and it was just my secret I could have told my parents because they were believers but I didn't I don't know why but I never mm. did and I just held on to that that secret and I'm here to tell experiencers when you hold on to that it affects every area of your life and, and not positively because you're not living your authentic life mm -hmm. and you're in denial about something that happened to you which is very important which should not be ignored but society wants us to ignore it but mm -hmm. i'm saying please don't ignore it there's a reason you had et contact so what's the reason so i'm here mm -hmm. to help you figure that out uh but 
To briefly tell you a little bit about myself, my first conscious memories of ET contact started when I was 10 years old and they continued for two years and I was uh, frequently visited by this being that would come uh, at night. I would find myself standing outside uh, on grass and I would look up and I would see the spaceship coming and this went on for two years from the age of 10 to 12. And each time the spaceship would come from a different direction. And it came so many times that I lost count. And each time I'd be so happy to see it. I'm like, yay, like my space brother is coming. I was so happy. And the ship would come and hover over me and it would just block out the sky. And then it would land. And then uh, stairs would descend and a being would come down. And he was very similar to a human. He was a male, young, like 20s or 30s, dark hair, dark outfit. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the only difference really was his ears they were just slightly elongated, but nothing like Spock. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't into Star Trek back then. Uh, <laughs> and he was just checking up on me. He was making sure I was okay. So this went off for a couple of years. And after each visit, I would ding, pop back into my bedroom. And that's what it feels like after ET contact when... You just dropped back into 3D reality Mm -hmm. and you're wide awake. There's no grogginess. You're like, boing, I'm awake and what just happened? And so in fifth grade, when I would find myself awake in my room, I would be so confused um, because how I felt in my bedroom didn't feel as real Mm. as how I felt when I was with that, that my space brother. That felt real. This felt fake. And so then I just would tell myself, okay, forget about it, get dressed. It's time to go to fifth grade and try and be normal. And so I tried to be normal for decades and that's really hard and it affected me negatively. It will affect you negatively. And so that's why I offer help to experience this so they can get it out and they can process what they learned. And uh, we're also given really important information and this information is uh, beautiful information that we can use to help uh, align ourselves with our purpose and to find fulfillment. Uh, and so I help uh, experiencers see the, the, the benefits of mm-hmm. their ET contact because in the beginning, sometimes you can't see the benefits. I couldn't see the benefits when I, I was afraid of the grays. So I wasn't afraid of this one particular being, but I was afraid of the grays for decades up until 2018 really i was afraid of the Mm. grays and i've had many experiences with the grays where they gave me a lot of information and then in 2017 when i moved here to north carolina i had contact with the grays and they burned two red x marks into my tush Mm. this is the x mark oh wow so uh september 17th this was on my left cheek and nine days later there was another one just like it on my right cheek and that uh that set me spinning that set me spinning i had an existential crisis with that second x because then i realized oh my god these are not dreams dreams do not put two red x's on your tush yeah the first one you were like maybe i sat on something you know i had a grid pattern maybe but but yeah the second yeah. (laughs) yeah Yeah, right. And so I just tried to ignore it because I've been ignoring 
I've had so many marks on my body, as many experiences do, geometric shapes, mm -hmm. bruises that are unexplainable. Uh, and I would just try and explain them away. Lights on in the hallway in the middle of the night. I could feel beings touching me, beings on the bed. And there's also a crossover, you know, between the ET world and the supernatural world. Oh, they're sure. all, yeah. yes, they're all tangled together. And I call it the playground of the consciousness. And when we enter that playground and that playground of consciousness, we meet all the other entities that are also exploring consciousness. Right. And so we will meet all the entities, whether they're ETs, spirit guides, dead people, they're all there and we're all playing in that same uh -huh. playground. And that's why often someone who has ET contact and all of a sudden starts seeing orbs or starts feeling angelic beings and uh -huh. vice versa. Yeah, I, I um, uh, something that came, you know, or just a moment, I'll say something that came to me a couple of years ago was that the astral plane is kind of like a train station where there are constantly things, beings, entities coming and going to various places. And so when you, you know, astral projector, you know, sometimes I wonder if, um, if all uh, ET contact is a projection of the astral body, spiritual body, whatever you want to say, but the body makes it real right you know there there's the the line from the matrix where you know neo gets you know punched or whatever in the matrix and his body hurts and it's because the mind makes it real for the body because it can't distinguish between what you experienced in the natural projection state versus what your body physically experienced and so i wondered if a lot of et contact that people you know talk about it and they say well but you know i put i put a piece of tape across my door and it was still there the next day so it must have been something else but <laughs> but you know maybe maybe you you left but your body didn't leave you know That's so right. yeah. your consciousness left yes right or other aspects of you right yeah that's a very good point. It's not just in 3D. So it doesn't happen just when you're driving on a lonely road or when you're camping. This is a reason millions of people are having ET contact, but many of them don't even know it because mm -hmm. most of it happens in that hazy, dreamy state, right. this multidimensional state, and that we don't really have a word for it other than a dream. But these are not right. dreams. Dreams don't put X marks on my tush. So right. I have learned, I can tell the difference between a real event, a multidimensional, interdimensional mm -hmm. event, and just a so-called little dream. They're completely different. Usually in my in my experience, if I wake up remembering all aspects of whatever the dream was, including smells and tastes and touches, then I have had something more than just a dream. Um, yeah, that's a really good point. Feelings. So. When you think of a dream that you might have had when you're seven years old, can you even think of a dream that you had at seven years old? Probably not. No. But when, if you've had an experience, an ET contact at mm -hmm. seven, you feel that all over again. Right. Not the same thing as, oh, I think I had this dream when I was seven years old. This is like it all comes rushing back, and that's a sign. You're absolutely mm -hmm. right. Because dreams, you don't feel that just a simple little dream, all those feelings don't come back. Right. Uh, the other thing that I've um, been thinking about a lot lately is um, how, you know, you're, 
the body is a machine. Um, you know, it's it's a biological machine. And at night, you know, because a lot of these things tend to happen at night. And so at night, the body is shutting down. It's 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 going into like repair mode. You know, sleep in repair mode. And so it, it, in those states, the mind doesn't have to focus on keeping the body running. Right? That's right. And then it can take all of that energy that it was keeping right. the body running and it can then go off and do other things and interact with other beings and et cetera. So, yeah, it's almost like astral travel. If any of you viewers or listeners do astral yep. travel or when you meditate and then you go off somewhere and you come back, it's like that. Yes, you're absolutely right. Although ET contact does happen when you're wide awake. It's happened to me in the mm. middle of the day when I'm wide awake, but it does tend to happen at night because we're not concerned about making sure that we're taking yep. care of the body. You're absolutely right. Well, and it's really funny, too, when you think about it. Um, most of us, you know, it, although we, may just, we just made the statement, you don't have to worry about making sure the body is doing the body thing. But most of us go throughout the day and don't think about the fact that our body is still breathing. The heart is still pumping. The liver is still doing what it's doing. So those are almost really unconscious uh, activities that we're doing. So I think probably the only thing that prevents us from having deeper experiences at all times is just an awareness that we have put a restraint on ourselves that it has to be during a certain situation it has to be when i meditate or it has to be when i sit down to astral travel or it has to be while i'm sleeping that we've put this requirement in place that is a false requirement that's true that's such a good point such a good point well some 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 of us can be in two places at once. We can be aware of our bodies, but have our consciousness somewhere else. We can do that. But some of us can't. Oh, actually, all of us can do that. Yeah. But some of us don't realize we can do that. So right. in order to have that experience in another dimension, this body does have to kind of shut down. Sleep paralysis, sometimes right. that's all sleep paralysis is, uh, is uh, your awareness is really in the multi-dimensions. It's mm -hmm. not really concerned with your body. And as you're starting to come back to awareness of your body, there's like this intermediary stage mm -hmm. where you're still over there, but you're still trying to come back to your body. And so your body feels paralyzed because you're not quite in your body yet. Right. Yeah, the other thing that that I've really been, uh, and I'm, we'll, we'll get on to talk about experiences in just a moment, but the thing I've really been thinking about lately is um, that you you yourself, the thing that makes you you, doesn't really inhabit the body. It, it has a connection, uh, like a pilot has a connection with an airplane, right? Um, <clears throat> and so it navigates the body, but the you that makes you you sits in another another realm of existence another plane another dimension whatever the terminology is that you want to use and so when you um have those out-of-body experiences like you said all you're doing is basically taking your hands off the controls and you're shifting your awareness away from the body uh suit that you've been piloting and instead shifting it somewhere else either maybe to another 
lifetime that your consciousness is already you know inhabiting and taking place and piloting and so you're experiencing those other lifetimes as dreams you inter you anticipate or interpret them as dreams you know I, I had a crazy dream the other night where i was a police officer in london well maybe you were a police officer in london and you just experienced that other aspect of yourself so yeah. it's when i got to the point of realizing that it's all just a matter of shifting attentions between what i want to experience it made a significant change in how i approached everything from meditation to astral work to my own et experiences so mm, yes you're absolutely right it's where is your focus so right now our focus is right here in this consciousness i call sev but sometimes my focus is somewhere else. Yeah. Uh, and we can do that while we're washing the dishes. I mean, we don't have to be asleep, but we don't have to be in a meditative state. We can mm -hmm. really, the goal is to be connected at all times, not having to go into a meditative state. Mm -hmm. Feel like you're connected to the other dimensions to get information from the other dimensions can come when you're wide awake washing the dishes. Yeah, I mean, well, people say, and I think many years, you know, people say, I would zone out. You know, I'd zone out when I was washing the dishes. The next thing you know, I'm thinking about whatever it is. And it's that zone out activity that's removing your awareness from the activity of washing the dishes to the activity of thinking about book you're going to write or the next tv show you're going to watch or whatever the case would be mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. anyways um so i did want to ask you because i know you had you'll see you just mentioned the experiences you had starting at 10 uh through around 12. uh did those uh kind of drop off for you at a certain point or have they continued throughout your adult life or you know kind of what how has that how has that happened or changed for you? The ET contact uh, continued my whole entire life, but for most, uh, I would say, from twelve on through college and into even my forties, I was having contact, but I'm more interested in. Sorry about that. I was more. I, I was more interested in the paranormal and supernatural. Oh. And so my focus was going more there than ET because I had this um, subconscious fear of the grays and I was mm -hmm. having a lot of activity with the grays, but a part of me just wanted to cut that off. And I'm like, let me mm -hmm. just go into the supernatural. So I had tons of supernatural paranormal, like tons. And the ET stuff didn't start back up until 2011 2012 something like that after my second divorce oh. and i moved into this really cool apartment that was kind of secluded and it started there uh -huh. and then it just kept going full speed ahead until now it's still happening i'm still getting weird geometric shapes on my body and uh -huh. stuff like that wow um so you know obviously you've i don't know maybe maybe it's not obvious to me it seems obvious but you've you've processed through what these experiences mean to you um i can say that when i first sat down to really acknowledge <laughs> the things that i was starting to recall from my childhood and into into uh, process what they meant for me now um my immediate reaction was am i going crazy 
Um, and then second, second question was, is my wife going to leave me because I think I'm going crazy? Um, and so I'm just curious, you know, how you dealt with processing all of this kind of stuff that's happening to you and, you know, how do you come down on it now that you've kind of acknowledged what it is? How do I come down on it now? Mm -hmm. Well, I definitely see it as very beneficial and I'm very glad that I've decided to focus on it mm -hmm. and to investigate it and to help others who are having uh, the same experience. Um, as far as uh, what you said about, is my wife gonna leave me? Yeah, yeah. That is a worry with a lot of experiencers. So uh, the most important thing is to come out to yourself first. That's the most mm -hmm. important thing. And I can help you do that. If you wanna contact me, this is what I do. I help experiencers around the world. You can go to my website, planetsev.com, or you can email me, sev at planetsev.com. And I offer help and I also offer private consultations. Mm. I also do sole purpose readings. If anyone's interested in that too, you can uh, get information about that on my website. Um, so I was a kid when I had my first experience. Um, when I started having my ET contact, I had left my second husband, so I was alone. Uh, but when I got the two X's on my back that changed my life, I was with, I had a partner at that time and I was very concerned about what was going to happen when I told him. Uh -huh. uh, I had to tell him because he's the one that found the first X. Uh -huh. And uh, he was stunned. He was shocked. And he's, we're not, we're not together anymore. Uh, he's very, very, very logical, uh -huh. but he was very supportive very supportive, very helpful. I'm very grateful for his support. Oh. Uh, and then and then about a year later, I started dating someone else and that recently ended. And oh. he was also very supportive. And so uh, luckily, if there's such thing as luck, I, I, I've been with two men that uh, I can't say they 100% believed, but they didn't 100% oh. disbelieve. And they knew me to be a true, honest person. And for, one of them saw the exes, mm -hmm. and the other one uh, um, knows that what I experienced is true. He mm -hmm. also had some interesting experiences at my house too. Uh, but that is an issue. And so uh, first come out to yourself, then come out to someone like me. Uh, do not come out to family members or friends if you think you're going to get judgment. Do mm. not do it. It's really the worst thing you could do. It's going to set you back. Well, and I think, you know, where I am now for for almost five years into my own kind of understanding of my past experiences, you know, I recently, um, well, I'll say that I stopped hiding who i was on social media and my my family my parents my uncles everybody you know they they're all friends with me on social media and so uh, that was my way of of coming out to family so to speak now i have selectively um 
talked to other family members who are closer and cherry picked the things that I wanted to say or try to derive from them that would, I think, help influence my growth. Um, but that's only after I have spent, you know, years working with uh, my own acknowledgement of it, like you said, coming out to myself first, um, close friends who have had similar experiences, uh, others in the community have had similar experiences, and then lastly, you know, closer family members who, turns out, have had similar experiences. So, um, it's just, uh, I, I, so I think the, the one thing I would say is, I assumed, especially based on some of their belief systems from when I was younger, I assumed that the conversations would go poorly. Um, and I was surprised to find that they didn't. Now, I know that's not the case for everybody who's an experiencer, but just, you know, in my own, in my own cases, I found that after I had prepared myself to understand what it really was that I was seeking, was I seeking their approval? Was I seeking their forgiveness? Or was I really just seeking to understand some aspect of myself that only they could provide an answer to? And once I made that realization in my own journey, then it wasn't a matter of do they believe me or do they respect me? It was a matter of I need to understand some part of myself that they can best shed some light on. And mm -hmm. so then it just became an information gathering conversation, basically. Wow, that's wonderful. I wish more people could have that experience. Yeah, yeah I, like I said, I know it's not the norm. <laughs> um, I've talked to many people who it's not the norm, but it's, uh, you know, so many people that I visited uh, trying to understand what this was for me um, kept saying the same thing. The, 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 res the resounding message was trust yourself. And um, when I finally did that, when I finally trusted that where I felt and where I was in my understanding of this phenomena, uh, that's when I no longer really worried about anybody else and whether or not they believed me or not, because I know what I experienced and I know what it means to me. So. Yes, and that's a great point, but sometimes it takes a while to get there. Mm -hmm. It takes a while to oh, get yeah. there. You need a lot of validation sometimes in the beginning, and that's why it's really nice to... Uh, if you can, if you're interested in joining a support group, it's mm -hmm. really easy to find support groups these days, but be careful, just be careful. Yeah, you can find support. Uh, and um, uh, it's just so complicated. The whole issue of coming out as an experiencer mm -hmm. is a complicated process because you're battles within you. There's battles with between you, your family members and your friends and battles with society. But how am I going to do I even want to admit this? And mm -hmm. that's what's so sad, because we're having experiences that are absolutely fantastic and important. The most important experiences I think we can have as a human being. And we're told to shut up. And mm -hmm. that's a shame. And so I'm saying, no, we don't have to shut up. For those of us who feel comfortable coming out, let's do it. If you don't feel comfortable, then just come out to yourself. Right. Coming out to yourself is going to change your frequency and your vibration. Mm -hmm. That's going to change your reality. Just that first step right there. Right. For sure. I mean, and, and that's, um, I think when I, uh, when I've talked to people who have had experiences who are scared 
about what it means for them. You know, they look at people um, who their experience has had a, a profound impact on their life. Um, uh, you know, I, I grew up in a in a in a Christian uh, church uh, environment, and so a lot of the way that I look at experience is sometimes colored through a spiritual lens. Um, but I would say that there are some people who have had experiences that view those experiences as a spiritual transformation. And oh, yeah. once they have that understanding and awareness yeah. of themselves post experience, they do amazing, miraculous things in the way of manifesting what they want in life, etc. Oh, yes, yes, but, yeah. but that's not for everybody. And for the person who has a profound spiritual experience, there is also the person who just has a personal acknowledgement that I'm not crazy and this thing happened and I'm okay and I'm safe and there's something to be learned from it. And I just need to figure out what that something is. Yeah, absolutely. Everybody has something to learn from their ET contact because we're given information. Most experiencers are telepathically given information. And from all the, the thousands of experiencers I've uh, interviewed around the world, there seems to be five major topics of information that we're given. We're given information that's uh, scientific, scientific innovation. We're giving information about the hybridization program. We're given information about the future fate of Earth and humans. We're also giving information about um, self-empowerment, spiritual awareness, how we're all one. Mm -hmm. And uh, we're also given information on how to strengthen our psi or psychic abilities. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so the government's interested in the information some experiencers get. So we're debriefed in milabs or military Mm -hmm. abductions which you've heard about which i've had a a few of those a couple of them are neutral and a couple of them are not neutral they're very bad mm -hmm. uh, so i do believe that some of us are debriefed because i was asked for scientific information i they wanted to get from me evidently i knew information about uh they showed me in a, i had a milab experience a conscious milab experience where i'm like in this office under the ground with these military type men and i'm standing in front of this poster I, I drew a picture of it and the poster shows the flight path of a ufo and there's all these scientific uh equations and uh this military man standing next to me and they always look the same like they're in their 20s and 30s and they all wear like the same like drab colored clothing short right. hair and he said to me when does the saucer attain the k point and then that's all i remember ding i'm like back in my room and uh, I have a biology pre-med degree actually from Loyola and uh, I didn't remember the K-point. I probably studied it, but I didn't remember it. So I looked it up and it's a real thing and uh, it's kind of complicated to understand. But I heard when I was watching the Winter Olympics and that sport where they ski up at, and then they go in the air and then they land down. What is, is that a ski jump? What is that? Oh uh, yeah, it is a ski jump. I love that one. But anyway, the uh, commentator in that talked about the K point that the that that skier was going to attain. And it seems like the K point, I think the K point was like the point where they landed, I oh. think. Mm -hmm. And uh, 
so other than this scientific information, we're given beautiful spiritual information. There's one experience where many experiencers, their lives have changed. There's one in particular, she lives in Hawaii. Mm. Uh, also, another thing that happens is that people become very creative. They might become painters and musicians mm. and things. So she started uh, painting these beautiful paintings. And uh, she had an experience where she was with these ETs and they told her that her pretty much her life is a reflection of her mind and that she will have the life that she believes she will have. And just that one statement right there completely changed her mind. She focused on that information so much that she found the courage to leave her abusive husband. Mm. That's how profound these experiences can be. And that's the point of these experiences, to be profound, yeah. to help us individually, so then we can collectively raise our frequency and get out of this disastrous mess that we've brought ourselves into. You know, it's funny, I'm, I started working on collecting um, people's experiences with the whole range of the phenomena, whether it be, like you said, paranormal or spiritual or UFO or Bigfoot or, you know, whatever, <laughs> what, you know, leprechauns, fairies, the whole kit and caboodle. And, um, the, so far, what I have found is that, um, for the vast majority of them, they had a profound experience and a moment in their life when they needed it most, uh, when they were, um, trying to, uh, make a decision on whether to move or leave their spouse or go to college or have kids or any number of things, but, but they had those experiences during a profound time in their life when almost like if they were on a path, they were going to shift their track a little bit onto a different path. And so, um, also, the ones who kind of followed whatever the experience they felt was leading them to have had fewer and fewer experiences. And so I started looking at the experiences maybe like a guidepost. And so you're walking along in the path of life and you've found that you've gotten off on the wrong path. And so you have an experience that pushes you back over onto the path you're supposed to be on. As long as you're journeying on that path, though, your experiences drop off because there's no reason to continue to give you guideposts if you're already on the path you're supposed to be on. Mm. And so, um, I mean, I, I can personally say that that's been my experience is that once I found where I'm supposed to be, the, ex the experiences, I would say it, it not so much dropped off, but they've become different. Like I haven't seen yeah. with my eyes you know, UFOs in, in a couple of years, but I've had channeling experiences and I've had yes, that's what happens. Uh, more profound experiences. Yes. You're still connected, but you don't need the 3d aspect of it right. anymore. You're communicating through the dimensions. Yeah. So, mm -hmm. yeah. And they're always there. If you want to communicate some more and get some more information, you can communicate with a variety of beings. There's an unlimited amount of beings we can communicate with and an unlimited amount of forms. Some, some don't even have a form. They're just like a floating consciousness. Yeah. I, I, um, I had a, uh, I don't know if it was a dream. Uh, maybe it, maybe it wasn't, but, uh, one night, um, that I went to, um, a bar, <laughs> in the astral plane um, 
and there were all these it was kind of like a cantina scene from star wars although none of the characters looked like any of the characters from star wars um but uh i had been in contact uh with I, I don't know to this day i don't know if the person who was emailing me was a person if they were an entity if they were catfishing me i have no idea but their last message that they sent before they signed off and we haven't spoken since was that they had been uh, captured uh they were uh, writing to me as uh as a person who was a part of an underground war here on earth and they had been captured and didn't know if they would be able to correspond anymore and their last letter though they said that um they would appear to me as an elephant um so when I moved here in Arizona in uh, June of 22, I was out, walked out to get the mail, and an, an overhead cloud shape was that of Babar the elephant. <laughs> that night is when they had the dream of going to this bar in the astral plane, and there was an ele- there was an elephant man sitting at the bar in the astral plane, and so. Um, you know, regardless of if that was my consciousness creating that scenario for me or if it actually occurred, for me, it was profound and it let me know that I was on the right path. Yes. You know, you really understand the nuances of ET contact. You understand the nuances of experiencers. You really do. Oh, well, thank you. Yeah. I I mean, I've. Uh, it's been a very interesting journey over the last four years five years almost since um, it all started for me in uh, right before I started doing another podcast with a really good friend of mine. um, I had a dream that felt like a memory, a repressed memory. Mm. And in that dream memory, I was standing in a front field at my grandparents' farm, a craft hovered above me and a figure was holding my hand Mm. and it, it turned and it looked down at me and I didn't see its face. It was just like a starry field as its head. I couldn't see any of the, any facial facial features. And it said to me, um, Josh, you're a hybrid and we've got plans for you. And I woke from this dream and that, that moment started. I then started doing the podcast I've met, inter- inter- interviewed a number of different people for the podcast. I've read numbers of books and documentaries and everything else. And that has led me for this thirst of wanting to understand the phenomena. The phenomena being not lights in the sky and UFOs and ghosts and everything, but the phenomena being the human aspect of those interactions. And what it means, because I never hear of anybody saying, yep, I was abducted and I went to another room and there were dogs on the table or cats or goats or sheep or octopuses. Never heard of anybody talk about an abduction experience or anything where there was anything other than people. So there is a human. I have one for you. Okay. I don't want to cut you off, though, because. No, I just was going to say that there's a human element to these experiences. Yes. Yes. Also, I'm interested to hear about the, the... uh, just going back to what you had said about that star being or that light being Mm -hmm. telling you that you're a hybrid. The last time I saw that, uh, 
that my space brother, I call him, was when I was 12 years old. And in that particular incident or experience, that was very different than all the others because this time I was with a group of other kids. Mm. And all my other experiences with him, it was always just the two of us. So this time I were lined up and I, I don't remember their faces, but we're about the same height. So I assume we're about the same age and we're watching this spaceship fly away. And we're really, really sad, very sad because we knew we weren't going to see him again. And in my head, I heard get to work. You have work to do. You have, mm. you have a job to do. And so, ding, I come back to my bedroom, I'm 12 years old, and what does that mean, get to work, yeah. do your job? That didn't mean anything to me at the time. Now it's starting to make sense. But uh, at the time, I had no idea what that meant. And so it's interesting that we're told this as children, so right. consciously we might not understand it, but subconsciously, what is it doing to us? How is it changing yeah. us? How is it leading us? Well, and, and what... Um... You know, maybe, maybe, sorry, I'm getting over COVID. Um, maybe as kids, we're more susceptible, not susceptible, that's the wrong word. We're more, um, we're easier to take at face value the things that are presented to us. Mm -hmm. And then later as adults, we now possess the cognitive ability to process what those face value moments were. So they sit dormant in us, waiting for the day that we awaken yes. and are ready to claim that which is ours and that which is we are here to perform. Yes. Oh, you said that so well. And it has to do with our personal frequency, our personal vibration. Uh, just like we exude energy, so do thoughts, uh -huh. so do ideas, so do memories, so does information. And sometimes what we call an aha moment is nothing other than just aligning with the energy of that uh -huh. information. It's all inside of us, uh, but we can't understand it or really even relate to it until we are similar in vibration to the vibration uh -huh. of that thought or that belief. And so as we raise our frequency, then we can align with higher frequency information and memories. Mm -hmm. And these easy contacts are high frequency memories. Yeah. So just by increasing your uh, frequency, and I have, I made a series of three videos on my YouTube channel, Alien Spirit with Sev, about how to raise your frequency. And then at the end of each one, I created a guided meditation with my voice mm -hmm. and high vibe music to help you connect to ETs, dead people, your spirit guides, all of that. The people who've been doing these videos are, are reporting fantastic experiences. Mm. Uh, so if anyone's interested in exploring that, just uh, just go uh, please and check out these uh, videos. They're all free and uh, I if will you definitely be checking them out. And I, I'll, uh, for anybody who's watching this on YouTube, I'll link to those in the description. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Uh, and I think that's everything I wanted to say. I can't remember. <laughs> that's okay. Uh, I, I did, uh, I did want to hear, do you, uh, cause I was mentioning that I have not heard an abduction case where there was oh! animals on the ship. Do you, you said you have one. Yes. So, uh, this happened in 2019, uh, where I had an experience. It's a conscious experience, uh, where I found myself, uh, like in another 
I found myself in a building in a city, but like in another world on another planet. Whoa. And it was all glass and all windows. And so was the roof. And when I looked up the glass roof, a UFO or a spaceship had just landed mm-hmm. on it. And I had my phone and I'm like trying to take pictures of everything, but of course nothing's working. Right. I've done this many times with my experiences. For some reason I have my phone and I try and take pictures, but nothing happens. So the next thing I know, and I, I have a video about this experience with my drawings and everything on my YouTube channel. Next thing I know, this small white entity walks into the room, very small like this, mm-hmm. glowing like a light bulb. Mm-hmm. And with it is this dog, dog, dog-like creature on mm-hmm. all fours, white. Next thing I know, this dog is on a like a sterile table in front of me. And I'm looking at it, and I'm like, what am I supposed to be doing with this dog? And the dog's skin was so thin, like, see, like, veins through mm. it. So, shortly after that, I'm listening to, uh, you know, Chris Bledsoe? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He lives just a couple hours from me. You okay. Know and uh, I'm listening to his experience, and we saw the same beings. He also saw that small white glowy light bulb being. He, his son, I don't know if he saw, I don't know if Chris saw it, but his son saw the dog being, and they also saw the light blue beings. And I saw all three of them too. Mm. And what I was told was this small dog-like being is the immature version of this tall blue light being. It's like the baby mm. version of it, then grows into this mid-sized light bulb-like version and then becomes the blue, the tall blue, beautiful ET. And then I watched this uh, show where uh, Chris was uh, put under um, hypnosis, which is a horrible thing. I'm, it was a horrible thing. Uh, I don't suggest that experiencers, not under hip, well, I take that back. Some experiences do well under hypnosis and some don't. So you have to be very careful. Mm -hmm. But anyway, what came out with his was uh, he's talking about these four-legged beings, these four-legged beings. And he's saying that these four-legged beings are like the juvenile versions of these Mm -hmm. uh, ETs. I was like, oh my gosh, there's validation. Yeah. Now, I don't know how many people have seen that four because it was running when they were in the car when they were trying to get away that being was like running after them interesting but you know it makes sense because so much if if you look at at earth as a representation of the diversity of life that would exist in the universe or the multiverse depending on which way you look at it um and you look at the the, the the variety of progressions from uh i'll keep it simple from baby to adolescent to adult um for the most part mammals are unique in that what they look like as a baby is pretty much what they're going to look like as an adult but insects um amphibians reptiles almost every other species out there has something that looks nothing like what it would look like as an adult i mean you take you know take a a caterpillar for example if you showed somebody who never knew what a butterfly was but a cater showed a a caterpillar and a butterfly and said how are these things related they couldn't pick it out so 
<clears throat> the bottom line is it makes sense that there would be life elsewhere in the cosmos that doesn't follow the mammal idea of infant, adolescent, adult maturity scheme. So, so I think that makes, I, I have not ever seen the four legged, um, entity as a, uh, uh, infant, let's say, <clears throat> but that doesn't mean it doesn't exist. Um, and I would imagine that there are probably a lot more that represent that that represents their developmental stages than yes. the mammal, the mammal aspect. Um, yeah, the, probably the, sorry, go ahead. No, that's a very good point. The way you put it is really good. That's an excellent way to describe it. The, uh, the, the uh, quote unquote strangest being that I have ever uh, witnessed um, had uh, no head, uh, but had two like eyes just kind of into the torso and it had wings and um and and just kind of clawed feet and that's it it had no mouth it had no nose it just had two kind of eyes into the torso uh wing and it was very leathery um in its skin texture um so that was uh interesting sorry what did it feel to you um you know i i think that so I'll answer your question, but I'll answer it this way and say that I have been on a journey for the last 45 years of my life to overcome my fear of extraterrestrials. And so had I experienced that sight prior to three years ago, I would have been scared. But this time I was intrigued. Um, and I wanted to understand more about it. And I wanted to understand how it in how, how it for lack of a better term lived its life um you know what were what were its unique experiences that um we as humans would never understand it's you know you talk about the things that experiencers have that that affects them and one of those things like you said is an awareness or like a, a spiritual connection. And one of the things that I have found is that um, since having my my dream or my repressed memory and starting this journey, although I am still startled, let's say, sometimes by certain animals on Earth, I find myself wanting to understand how they experience life more than how they startle or scare me. I've never been a fan of spiders, but since I had my awakening, let's call it, I don't kill spiders because I understand that they have a purpose here. And so um, their purpose is not to die because I'm scared of them. <laughs> it's nice. right. They have their own purpose here. And so it's a want to understand the purpose of every living thing on the planet or in the cosmos and how those experiences um, translate and influence their over consciousness if you will their, their higher self in how i as a human 
might be able to glean some information from those experiences to help me in my interaction in this experience. Yes. Yeah, that's beautiful. And for that reason, many experiences do become vegetarians because they just have an increased empathy. They realize, why do I have to kill that cow just to eat its flesh? What's yeah. that about? The, the thing that I struggle with more than anything, though, is that all life is that way. And so the it's if you think about the tree, um, the corn, the tomato, the lettuce, it's it's all life. And so wh what where do you draw the line between animal life versus plant life versus beans and legumes and everything else? And so you what I came down on is is that this machine body is of the earth and the things that this machine body has to consume to survive is also of the earth and so therefore it would be a breach of the agreement between the machine body and the earth to deviate from the expectations that the machine body has with the earth and the and the items that it consumes now that being said i do try to eat really clean I'm not always successful about it, but I do try to eat clean so that I'm not taking in a lot of processed junk that somebody created in a lab and pump full of all kinds of things into products. But I really struggled with, I tried to become vegetarian for a long time, but somebody asked the question and it's a valid question. When does it become, when do you draw the line between meat is murder, but lettuce is not? if it's all life. Yeah, so what it comes down to are various types of consciousnesses. There's a variety of different types of consciousnesses. Suffering, do we have any right to inflict right. suffering on another being? And does the plant actually feel, does it suffer when you cut it? Oh. Uh, the same way that the cow suffers when you cut it. No, no, uh, there is a difference. Yeah. Uh, and it also has to do with intent. Um, we're just, uh, we just love to kill. Americans yeah. love to kill. Well, you know, we think about though, a lot of the Aboriginal tribes and Native American tribes, um, <clears throat> they, they had a relationship with their food that we no longer have, right? Because we, you, most people can't tell you where the steak in the grocery store came from. Um, you know, even my kids, uh, we, I have farmers in my family. And so we've tried to do a good job of, of educating how far food gets from the farm to the table. But for a lot of people, they don't have their relationship with the food that they partake. And so even if you are eating a cow, but it is sourced in a more ethical way or, there's a relationship um you know i i years ago my wife and i bought um a half of a cow from a farmer so it was the cow that they had you know went out met the cow um it, you know touched the cow I, I i'm not afraid of farm animals again farmers in the family so it's a difference because i felt the connection between me and the food that i was going to eat we understood we had a, a relationship a rapport and just like I will one day become food 
for the next thing that you know my body goes into the ground or whatever the case may be i become food yeah, for but the you're next not going to be murdered you're going to die naturally and then the worms are going to eat you so there's a difference yeah uh, yeah I, I mean i can see i could definitely see that perspective and i'm not saying my idea is right one way or the other this is just how i came down on it because it's it's hard to eat as a vegetarian with a family who does not want to eat as a vegetarian. Yes, it so, is. And so although I can try to limit the amount of meat that I intake, That's I can't good. do so for my family. And so yeah. I kind of had to make, make amends, so to speak, with how it worked for me and how it related to me. Of and course. For other yeah. people, you know, that in, if yeah, you- I don't judge people who eat meat. I used to eat meat. <laughs> I don't anymore, I used to. And uh, if someone can eat a steak right in front of me and I'm not gonna say anything to right. them, personal choice. And I'm not going to force my choice not to kill animals to eat them right. on other people. That is just my choice. But anyway, going back to ET contact, <laughs> we are being told this by the ETs. Right. Why are we being told this? Uh, Chris Bledsoe was told it too, because Chris, Chris Bledsoe, there's one thing that I like about when he tells his story is that he used to be a hunter, but the ETs told him, what are you doing? Like, why are you killing them? They're very important. They're just as important mm -hmm. to this planet as you are. And you're messing up like the, the, uh, the, um, the, the perfect connection that we all have mm -hmm. between each other. You're messing that up by killing you're messing up the balance. Mm -hmm. And so what we're experiencing now is just a complete shakeup of our balance. This is what we get. Um, yeah, I mean, I, sorry, go ahead. No, that was it. Yeah, we're just yeah. imbalanced. Uh, I, I completely agree that, um, that the earth is out of balance, uh, for sure. Um, and we are, we humans are a big uh proponent or not proponent but a component of that balance that we yeah, have and i, I like to say that we're the troublemakers in our galaxy we really are the troublemakers mm. that's why we're being visited because we're not just causing trouble for ourselves and for our planet but just like you radiate energy our planet radiates energy and that energy is going out through the galaxy mm. it affects all the other entities and beings and planets and star systems we all affect each other well, and that's that's only in the three dimensional, right? So there's also the the overlapping that occurs between dimensions that we and the Earth inhabit. So that's why I think that you know ETs and UFOs. We saw a spike in their visitations after we started detonated uh, atomic weapons. It's because it was not just an energy release in the three D. It was energy release across multiple dimensions. We were upsetting the apple cart uh, all, all over the place. And so yes. that's why there was an interest, not because they're worried that we're going to destroy ourselves. I mean, I think they do have some compassion that they would prefer us not to destroy ourselves, but it's more so what else are we destroying in our, you know, arrogant uh, practices where we assume that we are the most mm -hmm. elevated, evolved life on the planet. So, <laughs> Which is, if that's true, then that's sad. <laughs> so. Anyways, I want to be cognizant of time. I, I know we've been going for about an hour and I really appreciate it. I want to make sure that, you know, I'm not making use of all of your time. Um, so you have a website. It's planetsev.com. 
you've mentioned your YouTube channel. Like I said, I'll link to that in the description. Is there anything uh, in uh, appearances that are upcoming or anything that you would like people to know about? Here's you know, if you want to take an opportunity to, to plug any of those things, go ahead. Thank you. Well, uh, well, first of all, uh, I call it planetseb.com for a couple of reasons. One reason is because I actually have a planet in a star system named after me in the Star Wars galactic system. There's a planet Seb talk and a star system Seb talk. Wow. Uh, yeah, I used to have a friend who was a writer and he got a job writing a short story for Star Wars. And mm. uh, he said to me, Seb talk, I like your name. <laughs> planet after you and I thought he was kidding but the story came out and uh, I'm in Wikipedia wow and so yeah he's like I will live eternally through my friend Tom Bowling who was the one that wrote the story uh, so my uh, website planetsev.com my email sev at planetsev.com my YouTube channel alien spirit with sev I'm on Facebook Instagram all of that uh, a couple of weeks ago, an ABC TV program came to my house and they spent all day at my house mm. interviewing me and videoing. And that's supposed to come out in the middle of this month. I can't say what the show is yet. Okay. Uh, my appearance on Beyond Belief with George Nori on Gaia TV, mm -hmm. that's out and up. And if you don't have a subscription to Gaia TV, you can get a free one for one week. And so you can watch uh, the episode that I'm on, Beyond Belief with George Nuri and lots of other shows. Gaia has a lot going on. I also have a couple of conferences coming up. I'll be at the MUFON International Symposium and maybe a couple others that haven't been confirmed yet. And I'm just really easy to find. <laughs> yeah. Oh, did um... I mention my book? I oh no, know. you didn't. You didn't. Okay, that's on Amazon. You have the right to talk to aliens. Yeah. Okay. Right. Yeah. Very. Um, you've got a lot going on, um, but it, it's been uh, an absolute delight to talk to you. I hope I didn't uh, occupy the conversation too much. No, um, I loved it. I loved your perspective. It was really good talking to you because you really do understand some uh the deeper the deeper aspects of et contact i'd just like to say if anybody would like to have a private et contact consultation with me please contact me through my website or on my email we can schedule that yeah. or a sole purpose session too and and i'll actually probably be scheduling one myself um so <laughs> <laughs> <Thank you. laughs> all thank right you. well thank you all again for tuning in uh, and i hope you have a wonderful rest uh, of your week and uh, month, and then we will talk again soon. Thank you.